Alright, let's get going. Let's give worship team a hand. That was awesome. Alright, who's got their Bibles? Yeah, that's good response. Sometimes I get blank stares when I ask that question. Like, what is a Bible? I was speaking at a Christian university one time, and I said, who's got their Bibles? Literally, I didn't get one word. Everyone just looked at me, and I was like, you, you do know what that is, right? Like, you would have swear. I thought I, was, I thought I was saying, like, the Koran or something. So, anyways, uh, Bibles. Open them to Acts chapter, or sorry, Luke chapter 24. Um, we'll, uh, that's going to be a, the, the verse we read together today, a little bit later into the message, but I just want you to be there. So I'm going to pray, and then uh, we'll let Jesus speak. So God, we thank you that you're here. We thank you we get to be here. We thank you for Easter. God, and not just the, the ceremony of Easter, God, but the reality of what that means. And I pray that that will be a revelation even more deeply in my heart and every heart in this room, God. What? does Easter mean? And uh, we pray this in Jesus' name. God, give us hearts to hear what you're saying, and we just, just give you permission right now to say whatever you want, God. Amen. So we're here because the man Jesus died on a Friday, and on a Sunday, he rose from the grave. Amen. I think the question that I think about is, what does this mean for us today, right? I think we all probably think that. I was, uh, I, won't, I won't say who, but there was a younger uh, person that I know, and he said, this isn't just going to be another cheesy Easter message, is it? <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh, well, I hope not, you know? Um, but, you know, it was funny because I think I've thought the same thing many times. Growing up in the church, I've heard it my whole life. We always talk about it, you know, like every Sunday is an Easter in a sense, right? But what does Easter mean for me today? Because if it doesn't mean something dynamic today, that's not enough for me. You know, it's kind of like communion for me. I don't want to just do communion because I'm supposed to do it, right? Like I want it to mean something to me. And so I want Easter to mean something to us tonight, very um, you know, critical and dynamic and life-giving and even changing for us today, all right? Who's in for that? Okay. So in the beginning, you know, I'm going to go all the way back here to, to Genesis, and uh, we were formed in perfection by God, right? There's a, you know, all of creation was like this uh, ascending creation, and it, it went from less glorious to most glorious, all the women, just so you know, you were created last, so good news. Uh, but, but God, after he forms man, it's like he just looks at us, and he's like, very good, right? Like we were formed in perfection. In Deuteronomy 7, it talks about uh, God speaking to Israel, and he says, you know, he says, I didn't set my love on you because you did something, basically is what he's saying in the context, because you're great or because you were mighty. So I set my love on you. Because I loved you. And, and, and this is creation. Like we were formed in the love of God out of the splendor of who he is, right? And it was perfect. Like we were formed from his perfection. And he loved us. Like he just looked at us and was like, very good. And I love them, right? And he sets his love on us. This is like, you know, why we came into being. We, came, we were literally created from love for love. 
okay? And because of this, we were never designed to ask these questions. I chose these four. I could have enumerated on more. But we were never supposed to ask the questions, who am I? Am I significant? Am I beautiful? Am I valuable? We were never meant to even have those questions cross our minds. And when I, you know, I say that, you say, what do you mean? Like, those are important questions. Those are existential questions, actually, that every human being on this planet has. How are we not supposed to know the answers to those questions? And I'd say, no, we're not. It's not, it's not the answers that are a problem. It's the questions that are a problem. We're never meant to ask those questions. We're never meant to ask, who am I? Am I beautiful? Am I valuable? Am I significant? We were never meant to live our lives plagued by these deep existential questions that plague all of humanity. Right? We're never meant to have those questions because each one of those questions was answered on the day we were made. Right? Like, who am I? You're loved by God. Who, who created the universe, the star-breathing God, who created everything, right? You're loved by him. He's the most powerful person in the universe. Like, what he thinks is the only thing that matters. And he set his love on you the day he formed you, right? Am I significant? You're the center of his universe, right? Am I beautiful, I can't take my eyes off of you. Am I valuable? I spoke all the universe to creation, but when I formed you, I bent down and I knit you by hand. <laughs> all these ants, these questions were answered the day we were made. Right? Like we were never meant to, to walk around questioning, who am I? Am I valuable? Am I beautiful? Am I significant? Right? Those are, those, are, those are not part of the original design. Those are not part of the perfect design that we were created in love by God. Right? So why do we have these questions? Because everyone has them. Um, I would say most fundamentally, I'm just going to be real with y'all. Can I do that? Don't be so serious. You guys feel a little serious right now. Loosen up. It's Easter. I feel like sometimes we're like, it's Easter. You're supposed to put your Sunday best on. I did. But it's almost like, let's ask real proper. It's Easter. Let's loosen up. It's Easter. It's like, this is exciting. Jesus like, I conquered all of it. Like, be happy. So anyways, uh, why, well, I'm going to be real though. Why do we have these questions? Why do these deep existential questions exist within humanity? within mankind. Um, they're the fruit of sin. And sin separates us from God, um, which is where the answers come from to these deep existential questions. Right? But in this separation, what happens is it creates this void. right? Because I'm formed to be in relationship with God. Right? And all, this, all the answers to these deep questions are found in him. Right? And it's very simple when you find in him. Then sin comes, it creates the separation, and in this separation, doubt enters. And the very fact that we have these questions shows that there's doubt. Right? Like we wouldn't have the questions if we weren't doubting the answers to the questions, right? We wouldn't have the question, who am I, unless we had a doubt about what the answer to that question is, right? We wouldn't ask, am I beautiful, if unless we weren't doubting that it was beautiful, right? In this separation, doubt enters. Right? And uh, this is extremely vulnerable, 
This, this condition of living with these doubts and all these questions is extremely vulnerable. It's so vulnerable that we don't like to think about it and we actually forget oftentimes. And there's a, there's a uh, anybody heard of a man named Ernest Shackleton? Yeah, it's probably one of the most incredible survival stories. If you haven't read it, it's, uh, I think there's a book called The Endurance. Uh, there's a few, but you can search it. And it is one of the most incredible survival stories I've ever heard. They get stuck in the middle of the Antarctic Ocean 100 years ago, no modern technology, in a ship. In the middle of the winter, the ice flows crush the ship, and they have to abandon their ship on the ice in the middle of the Antarctic Ocean. Anybody want to go to Antarctica soon? That was not funny. Okay. We'll keep going. Maybe I'll get you. So they're on this, right? And they literally, like, you got to read the story. I'm not going to give it away. But they're on these ice flows, which are just floating on top of the ocean, right? And they're, they're like, at one point for like a year on top of these ice flows, living off of walruses. That they're, <laughs> they're killing in, maybe not walruses, seals. <laughs> I don't know if walruses even live down there. <laughs> but seals, something with fat, blubber, right? Okay, they're living like on the ice, okay? And then literally, I'll, this is the only thing I'm going to give away. By an act of God, they get to this like icy island that's not that's not the end of the story so you still want to read it trust me but they get to this island that's solid ground for the first time in like a year right and when they get on the ground and they touch the solid ground um there's a lot of first town accounts of the journals and they just start like weeping and rejoicing and they start and they stand this they like start having this epiphany we've been so vulnerable like we've been living on ice for a year and all of a sudden when they hit the solidity of solid ground, it was like, oh, oh, I've been so scared. I've been so vulnerable. And now I have my footing. If you following me? This is what human existence looks like. Like so many of us in the church, out of the church, we are living with these deep questions and it is so vulnerable. Like, it's so vulnerable, we don't even like to think about it or talk about it sometimes. It's like, I just want to, like, no, this ice is good, right? But, like, we're living on ice, right? And everybody has these questions, people, people in here and people out there. And I think life is a journey into these questions, so this isn't a, 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 a quick fix. Um, but this is uh, a message that I hope inspires hope to, <laughs> I hope inspires hope. Sorry, that, that just didn't sound very good when it came out of my mouth. So, I hope inspires hope in you <laughs> that you don't have to live on ice and that God did not design you to live on ice. He didn't design you to live in this vulnerable existence because what happens in this vulnerable existence of living on ice is you will do quick security looks really good. It's like, oh, yes, this makes me feel stable, and it offers me like a quick thing, right? Um, you, 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 you'll, you'll do quick fixes. You'll do quick things to get security. And this is actually a fast track to some decisions that we're not thinking correctly because, you know, the kingdom's like seeds that you sow into the ground, not into ice, right? There's something like stable. There's something enduring. There's something that has longevity and vision about like, right, when you're planting yourself, that when you're living in this vulnerable place on ice, you're, you're, you can't, you're just looking for something that's gonna make you feel secure, right? And the, the only place that we find answers to these questions, it is in relationship with Jesus. 
right? Like, it's very simple. The gospel is very simple, right? But life is very complicated because as soon as we get separated from God, we start trying to figure out the answers separate from him, and then it gets real heady and real difficult, and there's really... Everybody's got their own opinion, right? We're meant to be in relationship with Jesus. That is the only place where we're going to find the deep answers, the deep existential answers to the existential questions that we're all searching for in here and out there. Amen? So sin separates us and creates this place for doubt, right? And to say sin separates us is probably like the grossest understatement that I could ever say. Right? It doesn't just separate us. Sin lies to us. It then takes the answers and perverts them to us. And then it convinces us to give all our power away and we become slaves. All right, Jesus says in John 8, I'm going to read it to you. It says, truly, truly. He says two trulys. He's like, really? This is true. Right? I say to you, everyone who commits sin is a slave of sin. Right? We sin, we separate, and we create this place where doubt comes, and these questions start coming, and we start feeling really vulnerable, like we were never meant to experience. And in that vulnerable place, living on the ice, it becomes a fast track towards slavery, and it looks pretty simple on the outside, but this is how it goes. Am I significant? Yeah, if you do this. Oh, okay, that's right. Yeah, if this person thinks you are. Yeah, if you make this much money. Yes, if you have this type of job. Yes, if you make that. You following me? Pretty soon it looks good. Like you're like, yeah, no, that's good, right? Like you do it, and, and it, what it offers is quick affirmation, right? It's like, oh, yes. Oh, I feel significant. And it's like, oh, where'd it go? Oh, you'll be significant if. Oh, where'd it go? If, if. If, and you start inching right towards that edge of the cliff, and next thing it's like, if, and you're like, down, 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 right? And then pretty soon you wake up, and you're like, down the road, and you're like, what have I been doing with my life, right? Nobody, like, nobody, and I've talked firsthand with people that have made fiascos of their lives, of their families, of their careers, and they weren't, like, waking up one day, and were like, I think I'm going to go do something really stupid and screw up everything, Right? Like, no, nobody does that, right? Like, that's insane, right? No, it's a long, slippery slope when you're living on ice. If, you'll be significant if, right? Men fall on this one all the time. If, oh, if, oh, oh, career, 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 career. Where's my family, right? Much. Am I beautiful? Yeah, you'll be beautiful if you look like those girls. Yeah, you'll be beautiful if your body, if you weigh this much. You'll be beautiful if, 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 and you just want quick security because you're living on ice and I'm not meant to be on ice. I need to know I'm beautiful. The only place I know that I'm beautiful is in relationship with Jesus. But, right, we've been lied to, manipulated, perverted, and pretty soon we're just slaves. Right? And that's just at the microcosm level of human beings. Then you start zooming out a little bit and you see world structures where people are enslaving other people. You know that the people that are doing that aren't like horrible people? It was just, you want to be significant? If, 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 if. And pretty soon you start compromising and doing things you would never do. But all you're really looking for is the answer to these questions. Right? And you get a world where there's, there's just poverty. And, and you know, you got the poor in the world that don't have clothes. And you have the rich in the world that don't remember what clothes they have. 
right? You got kids that don't have shoes and you have people that I haven't even worn a pair of shoes that's in my closet because I forgot I had them, right? Like, and I'm not trying to judge anything. I'm just saying you get these inequalities and despairs and, and these crazy things happening, this broken world. And all it is is people trying to answer these questions. But it's if, 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 and it would just become, it's slaves. Slaves to sin, right? That to me is my definition of hell. Individually is when, because in that place there's, no peace, there's no joy, and God forbid there's no rest because I can't rest because <laughs> when I rest, it all goes, and I got to get it again, right? And in that process, what I found is the more you follow the if, the deeper that doubt gets wedged into your heart, and the questions only get louder. Right, And it's like we, we're, we're so made to worship that what we put our attention and our focus to gets big. And we start magnifying the questions. And it's just this big question that we're just aching to find the answer to. Right? And it can create very driven individuals, but it does not create very healthy, whole right, individuals. So that's kind of a sobering. What does this have to do with Easter? <laughs> Anybody asking that? Everything. It has everything to do with Easter. Because Easter is an invitation into a new story for humanity. Easter is the first page. It's the introduction into a, into a new way, into this different way of living, into a different story. It's the most radical day there ever was because it opened a door for a new drama to play out on planet Earth that doesn't look like people becoming slaves and trying to answer and, and dog eat dog and com competition and, you know, like all these things of this world and trying to get, 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 get and selfish, selfish, selfish. I gotta have the answer to these questions. It's, a, it's, a, it's an invitation. It's a very exciting invitation. So what is the invitation? In Genesis, in the garden, God made man, Adam and Eve, and he said, be fruitful, multiply, fill the whole earth, right? And he actually gave them dominion over all the earth, like rule the fish, rule the seas, rule the animals, like you got it, go and do your thing, right? Within that command was actually the purpose and identity and destiny of man, right? So we had like the devil, right, he fell and presumably he was living on earth, right? And God makes this, this is his plan, right? He makes this little garden that's like pretty tiny and compared to the whole planet. And he puts two humans in a garden, which is paradise, in perfect relationship. And then he gives them purpose. I want you to work with me and I want you to cultivate this garden so that the garden will fill the whole earth, right? I want you to build a family that will build a garden, Right? God wanted the Garden of Eden to become the Garden of Earth. Amen? Right? Wilderness is uncultivated, wild, right? It's where it's like it's where the other things live. <laughs> right? Maybe no, you didn't get that. Okay. Um, anyways, in the garden, it's not like that. It's cultivated, it's beautiful, it's fruitful, it's peaceful, it's paradise. That's what Eden means. Okay? He puts man there and says, I want you to make the wilderness cultivated. In other words, I want you to overcome the enemy, okay? God could, like, destroy the enemy, like, boom, okay? That, there's not, like, a fight going on. 
between God and the enemy. God created us, and his plan was always for man to overcome the enemy. Right? He wanted us to cultivate this planet called Earth and bring his kingdom. Okay? That was like our call. That's our destiny, is build the kingdom. Right? And we still have that because it's been redeemed, but we're not there yet. Okay? That's our plan. That's our, that's our call. Create, build healthy family and make it a garden. And extend the borders of this garden so that it covers the whole planet. Right? But then this day came, Adam sins, right? He gives his authority away to the devil, right? And all of a sudden, there's this darkness, there's this enemy that has the, the enemy of our souls, uh, and he has authority now in this world. And it doesn't take a theologian to look around at the world and figure out that there's something not right and that God doesn't, you know, that mankind has forfeited something, right? And we see it in Luke 4. Jesus is in the wilderness. He gets tempted. This is Luke 4, verse 5. And it says, uh, he led, he being the devil, led Jesus up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said to him, I will give you all this domain and its glory, for it has been handed over to me, and I give it to whomever I wish. Interesting. I have dominion. Who handed it to him? We did. We did. Don't just put it on Adam. Oh, Adam did that. No, we all did. All right, we handed what we've been given, the dominion, the ability to overcome and create this paradise, create the kingdom of God on earth. We handed it over and gave it to the darkness, all right? Jesus, he tempts Jesus, says, hey, I want you to, to, to take it back. I'll give it back to you if you worship me. It's this temptation. He's trying to give Jesus the authority without the cross. Jesus says, no, I worship the Lord only because the, Jesus wasn't gonna make some type of deal with the devil. He wasn't gonna worship the devil to get the authority back. He was actually just gonna go and defeat the devil to take the authority back, right? But Jesus came and his name was the Son of Man. Because he came to redeem man, right? He didn't come to win the victory like God has the victory. He never lost. He's undefeated forever. He'll never have a, he doesn't have a rival. We sing about it tonight. There's no rival, right? Like Michael and the devil are rivals. God has no rival, right? So Jesus didn't come. He came, he, he is God, but he didn't. You know, he like, he says, though he's the form of God, he became a man, took on the form of a man, became a servant, right? And he came on behalf of mankind, said, I'm going to come, I'm going to take this authority back, right? I, I'm tired of seeing this narrative of destruction play out. I want a new narrative, right? So he didn't cheapen it. He didn't take a shortcut. He took all the pain, all the darkness, and like a lamb led to the slaughter, he took it on himself and he died, Right? He faced the deep fear of all humanity, which is death. Right? He looked square in the eye, the greatest adversary of our souls, and he said, I will take it on straight. Right? I'm going to set my face to the cross. I'm not going anywhere but right there because I have a battle to fight. Right? And Jesus dies. Jesus of Nazareth dies on a cross like a lamb that was slain. That's not the end of the story, though, because he, he went down like a lamb, but he resurrected like a lion. <laughs> yeah. Jesus of Nazareth, the carpenter, Joseph's son, comes post-resurrection to John the Apostle in his revelation. He says, shining white, right, with a 
you can't even look at him no, like lightning. He says his appearance is like lightning. And he looks at John and he says, Behold, I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. And I was dead, but I'm alive forevermore. And listen to what he says, And I have the keys to death and hell. <laughs> that one gets me. That's like triumph incarnate right there. In other words, I went down. I faced death myself but it couldn't keep me down, and I've got the keys back. Oh. <laughs> what does he say? What does he say? Who's got the keys to the kingdom now? You and me, his church. He said, no, I redeemed you from your path of destruction, and I've got the keys. So take the keys, and now he gives the great commission, which echoes Genesis again. He says, now go and preach my name. And baptize everyone in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, right? Disciple nations, right? Go tell them that I made a way where there was no way. There's now hope. You say, why is there hope? Why is there hope? What did he do? He took all the sin that separated it, took it upon himself, and he conquered it as a man, the Son of Man. And he demonstrated back into relationship with God. So now, this is the kicker. Why is it Jesus' name? Because in him, there is now a place where all addiction, all depression, all selfishness, all, all shame, all, it, it doesn't exist there because he has the keys. Right? All the things, the if, the if, the if, the if. He made a way so that we can get back into relationship with him. And when we are in relationship with him, we start coming back into contact with the answers the deep answers to the deep questions that everyone in here and everyone out there is asking, right? The answers are Jesus. That's where we find them, right? Easter is about liberation, liberation from our bondage, right? And it's at the individual level. You come, you're stuck in this place. You're a slave, but then you find that there's a God who holds the keys to your chains, right? And when you come into contact with him now, you find that the result of that contact is your liberation. And then liberated people liberate societies. Thank you. God just doesn't want to save you. He wants to use you to save the world. He wants to use you to disciple nations. Liberated people create liberated societies, right? All creation's groaning for the sons and daughters of God to take their stand and say, here I am. I know the answers. I know the answers, and, and I'm standing here on this solid ground of Jesus Christ, right? The rock of my salvation. I know who I am. Because I'm in relationship again with God. I'm back in the garden, and you might be in the wilderness, but come to me. I'll show you what it looks like to have communion with God, right? I'll show you. You don't know. I'm too far. I'm, I'm done. I'm in depression. I'm in sin. I'm addicted to pornography. Uh, yada, 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 yada. No, no, no. I was dead, and I've got the keys now, right? There's no chain that he can't break. Right? No, I feel like sometimes God's like, no more excuses. I was dead. I'm alive. And I got the keys. 
Right? So for people that are in need of liberation, there's a new story. There's a new invitation. There's a new chapter of humanity, which is come to me. I got the keys that can set you free and get into my ecosystem that is free. And then I'm going to so free you that all you're going to be able to do is free the world. Right? So what does this look like? Now you can turn to your Luke 24 if you're there. This is a cool story. Because this is a practical story. I want this to be practical, right? There's this story post-resurrection. It's called The Road to Emmaus. Um, I'll, I'm going to set it up. We're going to start reading at verse 25. But before I get there, so there's this story, and it's post-resurrection. Jesus has rose from the dead, but he hasn't really appeared to everyone yet. And people are kind of stirring. What's going on? It's been a crazy few days in Jerusalem, right? The prophet got killed. It says in one of the accounts that like the ghost or the spirits of the old prophets and men of God and women of God started walking around the city. So I'm sure people are tripping out. Did you hear that the veil is torn? Oh, the Jews didn't want to talk about that, but I was there. I saw it. I heard it. Right? Like there is all this questioning going on in Jerusalem. And there's these two disciples that are on this seven-mile journey from Jerusalem to Emmaus. Right, And a lot of scholars believe that these two disciples are actually a husband and a wife, like Adam and Eve. Right, And they're on a walk, and they're questioning. They're trying to figure out what's going on, and they're actually talking about Jesus and yada, yada, yada. And then Jesus comes, and he joins them on their walk. And he starts walking with these two, and he says, what are you talking about? They start telling him all the questions. We're questioning, what does this mean? What is Jesus? Duh, 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 right? They're questioning, frantically questioning. Jesus, in verse 25, he says, he says to them, oh foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary for the Christ to suffer these things and to enter into his glory? Then beginning with Moses and with all the prophets, he explained to them the things concerning himself in all the scriptures. And they approached the village where they were going, and he acted as though he were going further. But they urged him, saying, stay with us. It's getting towards evening, and the day is now nearly over. So he went in to stay with them. When he had reclined at the table with them, he took the bread and blessed it, and breaking it, he began giving it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. And then get this. Get this. Then they said to one another, were not our hearts burning within us while he was speaking to us on the road, while he was explaining the scriptures to us? Which to me sounds like what was that? Like I'm coming into contact with the answers to the questions that I've been longing for. Wasn't my heart burning in the presence of this man, Jesus? <laughs> right? It's a redemption of the garden. God walking hand in hand with man and woman. And in that place of communion, in relationship, the only thing your heart can ever do is burn. Because you're coming into contact with the answer himself. Jesus Christ, right? And I believe that is such a picture of what Christianity is. It is a walk down a road called life with Jesus. 
And it is not an easy road. It can be a bumpy road. It can be a long road. It can be with lots of turns. But on that road, there is communion and relationship with God. And when he speaks, it doesn't matter what's happening around because your heart is burning because you have the answer. And the thing about Jesus is he doesn't answer questions people aren't asking. He answers questions that people are deeply, deeply needing to hear. Right? Sometimes the church, we answer questions that people aren't asking. But when you get in contact with him, we start answering the questions that people are longing to hear. Right? You say, Jordan, why, why, why Jesus? Right? Like, why Jesus? Why does it have to be Jesus? Aren't there other ways? I'd say absolutely not. Unashamedly, I'd say absolutely not. And it's only because, it's because of this. There's only one person who conquered death. Buddha didn't conquer death. Joseph Smith did not conquer death. No new age guru or spiritualist conquered death. Right? Muhammad did not conquer death. Like you can go on and on and on and on and on and on and on. It is not about a prescribed rules. It's not about levels of trying to get to inc- like it is about one thing: relationship with Jesus Christ. It is about a personal, intimate relationship where on the road somehow you're walking and He enters into communion with you, and your heart starts burning. Right, And that's, that's it. That's the simple gospel of Jesus Christ is in the midst of all the doubt and all the pain, he wants to come. He took it himself so that we can enter into a simple relationship, a loving relationship with him. And I just believe that it's that simple. And I believe it starts with just saying I want relationship. And I, and I, I want to pray for a couple things um, right now. And I think I'm going to have the band come up because they're going to sing one more song as well. And I'm going to have the ministry team come up in a second too. But there's three things I really, I just, I was, I was praying this week, I feel like I want to pray for. Um, and I'm going to give you an opportunity, you can all respond um, at the same time to the ministry team once we start singing. Um, and it will look like this. Uh, first of all, if you don't know Jesus, praise God for you, um, and you say, I want to walk with him down this road called life. I want to give this a shot of connection and communion with him. I want you to, um, you can come down during ministry time. I'm going to do one prayer for everyone, um, but I want you to come down and receive prayer. Um, but I have a conviction that Easter is not just about people that don't know Jesus. Uh, I think it's about people that do know Jesus too, and I want resurrection to mean something. Um, the third thing is, uh, the second thing I want to pray for is that these, dis- these, these disciples uh, it says Jesus wanted to go further, but they kind of wanted to go sit down. And I think uh, we can get static sometimes and just say, you know what? I think uh, I've kind of become complacent in my current reality of what Christianity is. Amen? Like sometimes we just like, we stay there. No, like I've had this chain for seven years. I've had this chain for 20 years. I've had this stronghold, right? But Jesus was desiring to go further. And I think sometimes the answers don't come immediately, right? Because it's about connection and it's about communion. It's about relationship, you know, and we don't get the, you know, people that are, I was, I was, I was talking with this married couple. It was probably one of the most beautiful marriages I've ever witnessed, um, watching the way these people loved each other. And they're probably 
in their mid-70s. I literally had them pray over me because I said, what you embody just watching you two and ministry and how you love and just how they, I was like, I want whatever you have in my life. And, uh, and she looked at me, the wife, she said, Jordan, she's like, I'll tell you the truth. I was a very broken, insecure woman. She's like, but it was decades of faithful love and the pursuit of my heart that conquered me and tore down those walls. And it made me who I am today. And I was like, oh my gosh, like, that's the most beautiful thing I've ever heard. But I believe that's relationship with Jesus. You know, there's people in my life that make me feel like a very, very, very young in the Lord when I listen to them talk about the depth of intimacy and communion that they experience with him. When they describe to me the way that he speaks to him and, and like the nuances and the journeys and, 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 and the places they go in their pursuit of following him down that road, it literally evokes in me this jealousy that's like, I wanna keep going. I want to be there. I want to know you like that, Lord. And I feel like for some tonight, you're, you're feeling convicted that I've been sitting and he wants to keep walking, right? He doesn't, I've camped out at a place that he's wanting to keep going further. There's more freedom for me. There's more, there's more wholeness. There's more purity. There's more depth. There's, there's things that I've judged you, Lord, and said, I think that's weird, and I don't know what I think of this, right? And we've just camped in comfort. And tonight, God, I don't know, God's doing something in you. I don't want to be comfortable anymore. I'm going to invite you um, at the end. I'm going to have everybody stand up, and then to prayer time, I want you to come forward, receive prayer. And then thirdly, um, I think there's some of you that you're saying, you know what? I'm walking down this road Jesus, but there comes a shift at one point, and I believe that it goes from we become Jesus on the road for someone else. Are you following me? We become a, a body so flooded and filled with God that the Lord says, look, look at this one who's walking down the road, so living on ice. He said, now I want you to go walk with them and I want you to bring them a revelation of who I am, the answer, right? This is like the aim of Jesus. This is why like everything he did with his disciples, it's to re-present me to the world, right? He wants his word to be flesh in us in such a way that we can leave people's presence and they can say, I was just in the presence of God. Not that we are anything but a vessel, but we are a willing vessel and a vessel that's being filled and overflowing with the Spirit of God, right? That's why he looks at his disciples in John 14, he says, you know, don't be so, or John 13, don't be so enamored with the things that I do because I want you to do greater things than this, right? It's because I want them to see me in you, right? I think it's time for us to take the shift for some of you who are saying, it's been too long. It's been about me. And, and I've been the one that the people have come into my life and he comes into me like, Lord, I'm ready. I, I need more. There's something more, a shift I need in my own heart that's going to take me to the place where I start looking for the people walking down the road that I can come in and bring them into the manifest presence of Jesus. Amen. That's a, that's a definition to me of a spirit-filled believer. It's not if you speak in tongues or not. It's do I bring people into contact with the resurrected King of glory who is alive and thriving and vibrant inside of me. Amen.
Awesome. So I want us all to stand, and the ministry team, you can come forward in this time, and I'm just going to pray over us, and then uh, you, I, I, I'm just going to invite you now um, to just come, if you're in any one of those categories, and I, and I want you to come forward and just receive prayer. Um, I talked to somebody last night and said, you know, some good preaching, but still haven't come up for prayer. <laughs> I said, why? He's like, I guess just my pride keeping me in the way. So I was like, that's funny. Um, so I'm just going to straight up say, don't let your pride keep you from coming and getting prayer. It's not that weird, right? I do it all the time when I'm not preaching. Uh, actually, I sometimes come down and come for prayer myself. But I really feel like there's just something significant going to happen tonight. You know why? Because it's Easter. And on Easter, it's Resurrection Day. So I just want resurrection power for those that you don't know them, you want to know them. For those that I've been sitting, I want to keep going. For those saying it's time for me to take the shift and I want to be the answer for people. Right? I just want to pray for So you'll tell the person what you want prayer for. They'll pray for you. Um, so Jesus, we just thank you for who you are. God, and I pray that you will sear on our hearts and in our minds a vision of a resurrected Jesus, the Lion of Judah who is roaring from Zion. God, that, you're, that you are alive forevermore, Jesus. And there's nothing that is that powerful in the wake of who you are, God. Your whisper can liberate a nation, God. Your whispers can liberate a heart, God. And I thank you that, that it is not just because we do not dictate our future by our past, God. That's why you came. God, our past is not pointing to what our future will be. We cannot calculate our future based on what our past is because we're calculating without you in breaking, God. And I thank you that you are a God who in breaks on behalf of your people. For, for those, God, that are static, I pray that you break through tonight and you shift inside the, the inner man. You shift, God, and you tear down walls, God, and you release God, you release just the, 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 the roaring lion inside your bride tonight, God. And I pray, Lord, uh, I just pray that everything you do, just a release of resurrection power tonight, that this will be real, that this will be authentic, that this will be raw to the depths of us, to the depths of you, God. I pray this all in Jesus' name. And as we sing, God, I just pray that you do amazing things. Amen.